So I just said these words while we were singing is, do we value the life we have more than the life that he has for us? I believe that's a question the Holy Spirit would just ask us. Do Greg, do you value your life more than the life that I have for you? And I've just been over the last few weeks just find myself talking to people and asking them whether they have found the life that's in Christ yet. Not the life that we try and live our lives on earth and then ask God to bless what we're doing, but the life that he truly has for us in him. And he defines everything. Where we consult him on every single thing. That it's no longer about, well, you know, we think we'll do this or we'll think we'll do that to create a sense of security. That life is gone. And it's just, how do I lay my life down and live for you? Full stop. Mic drop. (laughs) Done. (laughs) And allow him to reveal that life, allow him to truly reveal the life that we were truly born for. And Jesus says, unless you lose your life for my sake, you'll never find life. And we can lose our lives for our sake, thinking we're doing it in his name, and still never find life. In fact, you just find frustration and disillusionment, and then you give up because you go, this Christianity doesn't work, it sucks. But Jesus does work. (laughs) Jesus is life. And what we're looking at in Ephesians is this eternal purpose. It's really the life that we were called for. And it can only come through revelation. So we could go through this entire book ten times. And the challenge is we could still know nothing at the end of it. You can have the bride of Christ, the kingdom of God, the reign to know him right in front of you and still not know any of it. Someone asks you a question and you go, oh, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's right in front of you. You've attended service after service after service and you've listened and you still don't know anything. Do you know that's a very possibility? Because unless we can hear and unless it's been revealed, You won't know any knowledge. You'll have no knowledge that can actually empower you to live the life. You'll have information at best. And even sometimes we don't even hear the information. So never mind hear the word. We don't even hear the information of what's spoken. And um, I'm going to hit Ephesians 3 and we're going to start in 8. But I just want to read these words from 3 because this is Ephesians 3, 3. Because Paul is communicating something so powerfully here for us when he says that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. So what we have to understand is that Paul is writing from a revealed place. That's the place that we have to find to understand the words. Yeah? So it's when we come into Paul's revelation of what he's actually talking about because he's 
out of his revelation of Christ and everything in Christ, he's writing. He's not writing from this empty, abstract place because he knows principles and concepts. He's writing from a living, revealed reality. That's what's going to change you and I. He said it can only come through the revelation. So how are you and I getting our knowledge? Because Jesus said to Matthew, uh, sorry, to Peter in Matthew, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal to you that I am the Messiah. John goes on and says that man can only, what he's received can only come through from heaven. You see, so the only knowledge that we actually have that's true knowledge that's going to change you is what the Spirit has revealed in you and to you. And 1% of that knowledge is way, way, way more powerful than 100% of knowing about knowledge. That's why he says sight, faith, revelation, the size of a mustard seed. If you have this true knowledge of who I am, you can speak to the mountain, it can be moved. But you turn up with 100% knowledge about, and it looks at you and it laughs. Why? Because in the knowledge is where the authority is found. It's where the life is found. And that's challenging for us because the world tells us that we, if we learn information, if we learn principles, if we learn te- then we have this knowledge. And it works in the world, but it doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God has a completely different operating system the mind is not the main purpose of understanding the spirit is and the spirit must renew the mind for you to then have true knowledge that you can live out yeah so this is the posture he's writing from and this is the posture that we must receive from because it's all about receiving not learning and he's what you're going to look at you're going to hear words like receiving and given so the father gives Just like he gave his son, he gives revelation to those that are seeking. So that's just sort of the parameter. And I hope you're getting revelation. I hope your eyes of your heart are being enlightened in what is being declared. Because as we've said, someone can say, oh, you're the bride of Christ. But it doesn't really mean anything. It's like, oh, yeah, Liverpool won 3-0 today. Whippy. It's great, but... doesn't do any internal work in me. So once again, yeah, 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 to know God, yeah, that's what we're about, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. love him, walk together, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. but it's not changing you. The purpose of the word is to change us. So he says this, and I thought Chris preached beautifully last week and just brought to light one to seven, talking about grace, and Paul reiterates it again in verse uh, eight. He says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. There is a grace that was given to the man for a function. He didn't find it. He didn't dig it out. It was given. The grace is given, and it's a power So it's not, oh, we're all under grace. It's not that, it's this. Power was given to me to what? Preach the unfathomable riches of Christ. So God gives people grace, power, to perform the same work. 
People are graced. The fivefold are graced to perform a work that other people aren't graced for. It's not right, wrong, one's better than the other. It's just his design. And no one chooses it. So it's given. Sandra, here's the teach of gifter. Sorry, gifter. Here's the gift of teacher. <laughs> That's a new gift. <laughs> All right. Don't add to the word. Uh, sorry. Here's the gift of teacher. But you has to receive it, doesn't she? She has to receive it. It's a partnership. I mean, this morning's message was so beautifully articulated. If you've never heard it, it was such a beautiful articulation of the heart and the posture of giving. Because any time you talk about money, man, all the walls go up, the barriers go up, perspectives jump up, everyone's running for scriptures to prove why you shouldn't give. Oh, it's Old Testament. It was such a beautiful presentation of the heartbeat of someone that's in love who wants to give all. You know, so there's a gracing. There's a gracing on Sandra to be able to do that that might not be on someone else. That's why you don't try to be someone else. You be who you're graced to be. Because you're trying to fit. It doesn't, it's like David and Saul's armor. It doesn't work. You know, it's like trying to fill my shoes. I'm like a size 12 and you've got a size 6 foot. You're going to fall over. And I try to get my feet into your shoes. It's like, wow, that's painful. <laughs> And so Paul's saying, I've been graced, there's a grace upon me to do a functional work, which is to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ. Well, if you're going to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ, what do you think you need to know? Him. How can you preach about a person you don't know? How can you preach about the depth of what's in Christ if you don't really know him, you just know about him? You see, he comes and says, you search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you're going to find life. And I'm right in front of you and you're unwilling to come to me. So you know about me. The scriptures testify about me, but it's not me. They testify about me. They are to lead you to me. So you can know me, so why? So then you too can preach about me. One-on-one -on -one in the workplace, in the home, at a supermarket, in a family like this, wherever you go, wherever I lead it, you can bring the utterances of heaven for your vehicles. You are my church, who I want my manifold wisdom to come through, through a demonstration and through your lips, because the word is spoken. The word God spoke and creation happened. You and I have been chosen to be carriers of the word of God, Christ, in us. Not just mini Christ, Christ-like, but not God's, but Christ-like. Yeah. So he's, there's this function on me to preach this unfathomable riches and to bring to light, so there's that and, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. God loves playing hide and seek. So he hides things. Why does he hide them? So you go looking. 
So he hides things so you go looking. So what do you think he's looking for? Those that love him. You see, those that love him go seeking for what's in him. Everything he does is to find what he's looking for. His whole design, which sometimes we go, I would never do that, is all set up to find the very thing he's looking for, which is those that truly, truly love me. Isn't it funny how men will conquer mountains and do all sorts of crazy things to find the woman that they want to marry? Amen. We do ridiculous things. We spend ridiculous amounts of money. We do all the things. We're so romantic and then it sort of ends once we've got the prize. <laughs> no, no, come on, mate. You and me, no way, mate. It's keep sowing into that relationship, but don't we? And women, you do all these crazy things to attract the guy. They did, they went, no. <laughs> well, is really he any different? Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that actually is coming from? It's, all things come from him. So his whole design is set up to see who really loves me and who's prepared to go to the ends of the earth to find me. And so he intentionally puts different things in there to test you and I. And so Paul has been given this responsibility, which is massive, and he's graced to perform a function of bringing to light, literally bringing from this dark realm or this invisible realm into the seen realm through the spoken word, the unfathomable riches of life in Christ and the administration to which this all flows, which means here is the goal, this is how it's going to happen. This is how we're going to get from there, or how we're going to go from here to here. So we need an administration, we need a structure, we need a pattern to which this needs to be put in place if you want this outcome. And I've been entrusted to bring this to the earth. What a responsibility. And he said, I'm laying my very life down. I no longer live. I don't consider my life worthy so I can finish the race of bringing this to the church. He gave his life for you and I. See, that's the standard. Do you still consider your life of value, your old life? Are you trying to hang on to it? Or has it been laid down for the purpose of the spread of the good news in the kingdom? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Imitate my life, my process. You're not all going to be apostles, but you are called to be the church, which I'm part of. So he's got this massive responsibility, but so do we. If we understand, if we actually have a revealed position of what this is really all about and why we're all really here. It's full on. I want to read you from Colossians. So just come me to Colossians 1. And this is what I love. Because Paul writes all these letters, he writes this stuff everywhere. 
It's not just in one book, and that's the beauty, because he goes, if you miss it in Ephesians, hopefully you catch it in Colossians. If you miss it in Colossians, hopefully you see it in Philippians. If you don't get it there, hopefully you're going to get it in Corinthians. If you don't get it there, you might get it in Acts. Why? Because he knows. <laughs> he knows people. God wants it spread. And it's also in, in, in the Scriptures, at the front of the book, at the back of the book, it's everywhere. This reality is everywhere if we have eyes to see and the Spirit becomes our teacher. So he says in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. <laughs> when was the last time you suffered for someone else and rejoiced in it, not whinged about it? <laughs> You've got to have something of substance in you to be able to live this, eh? There's got to be something greater in you called the Word of God, Christ, for you to actually go, well, compared to this, that's nothing. So I suffer for you. I suffer. I lay my life down. I'm persecuted for other people. I no longer live for myself. I dealt with that. I gave that. I crossed that hurdle back here. And because of that, I've come into life. Those that lose their life for my sake will find a life that enables them to live above the earth which is really just heaven to earth, just called Christianity. And so he says, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body. I do my share. I'm playing my part. I think that's the biggest failing of the church today. Is it's full of a whole bunch of people not doing anything but participating as far as, sorry, spectator. And you know who's built that model? We have. So we are victims of our own teaching. We've built a consumeristic model, and we tell everybody, if you come to us, if we build it, they'll come. Look at that. If we build it, they will come. Yeah, that's right, they will, because people are selfish in nature and if you serve them they will come and you create it all about serving their needs they will come and what you'll have is a consumeristic church that demand keep it going keep it going where's the next product keep it going keep it. you better keep it going oh you haven't okay get out of here next one keep it going keep it going why is there so much burnout in the body of Christ because we've created a consumeristic model and have a guess who has to do all the running around Or those that we pay. Because we pay you. So you get paid to do a job, so do your job. Because we're not doing it. See how flawed the model is. It's been like this forever though, hasn't it? God's trying to smash it and he is smashing it. So I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. It's been like this since his day. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. The same words again, just a different book. He's saying there was a gracing bestowed, a stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. I lay my life down for you, that you would receive from the Christ in me. So it's God has sent me, he's saying, for you. What happens if you don't open the gift? You never get to enjoy the gift, do you, if someone gives you a gift? 
What happens if you don't understand the purpose of the gift that was sent for you? You never use it. You never come to understand. and You don't, you don't honour it. So you dishonour it. And it's right there in front of you. It's right there in front of you, but you're not looking for it because you're looking for something else. And it sits right there. You see, we have to start honouring the gifts in this house that God has given before we start looking outside of this house for our food. <laughs> and if you don't know what's in the house, that's why you're looking outside the house. And God's like going, man, I sent them. And you have no clue what you've been sent. You know? And ultimately, not too much can happen here, just like with Jesus, because you don't honour the gifts, which means you don't honour my way, which means you don't put it in place, which means you don't see me move. Because there's too much dishonour. This is how real this is. You know, it's so powerful that we are in alignment and we are in revelation. Otherwise, it's right in front of us and we'll miss it every time because we're not looking for it. So he says, so that I might preach, so for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations. There's this hidden mystery again but has now been manifested to his saints. So what was hidden has been manifested to the saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this was a mystery that the prophets of old were looking into. They were seeking God for wanting to know the time that we put place in history. They knew it wasn't going to be in their time, but in history. So it was hidden for us, that we could have Christ in us, which they couldn't as a whole. God was external of them. And then he said, right, now Jesus comes, I've torn the veil, I'm going to the Holy of Holies, this can be in you. This reality of this kingdom life is to be in you, operating in you and through you. There's no excuse because I tore the veil. You see, the reason we may not be in it is because we can't see what's in front of us. This is why sight is critical. And Paul is a man of sight. Why? He was a man born blind. He was a man born of the flesh, living like Saul. He was so blind it wasn't funny. And then he transitions from Saul to Paul through learning. Yeah, there must be a brokenness in his life and so he gets blinded three days he's blind and he's having to trust on every other person we never used to because he would a man and now he's got to actually be humbled imagine that imagine being the man for however old he was not trusting in anyone, building on yourself, your own intellect, your own substance. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm righteous in, a, you know, in alignment to the law. And then, poof, in a minute you're blind. And you can't, you've got no idea where you are. And now you are what? Dependent. <laughs> Taken out at the knees. Bang. Oh, reality just showed up. See? 
And then he gets a dream and a vision that a man called Ananias is going to come. And Ananias has to be bold, doesn't he? Because here's the guy that's killing everybody. You get a dream. Hey, man, go lay hands on the dude that was killing everybody. Ah, <laughs> you got the wrong guy. No, I've got the right guy, Ananias. Go lay hands on him because he's waiting for you. You see, he goes from blindness to sight. And he tells you how it all happens in his letters. So that's the way in. Revelation of the Christ. And it's been hidden. We proclaim, listen to this, we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Wisdom is not just intellectual knowledge. Wisdom is demonstration. So Solomon had the wisdom of God, didn't he? He had, the Bible says he was the wisest man on the planet. But for a wise man, he ended up pretty bad. Why? Because it's one thing to know stuff, but it's another thing to live that knowledge out. You see, wisdom in its ultimate mature form is the demonstration of Christ upon the earth. And this is what we're going to look at in verse 10. So he's saying that we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete, mature, full, the bride in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I've come to preach the unfathomable riches in Christ, of Christ. I know what they are. I've been given the mandate to prophesy into the earth and teach the, through the spoken word and through these letters, God. And that God is to be growing and being formed in the church. And I lay my life down to see this church, which we are part of. So he still, his life is still going towards his judgment seat. The fruit of the man's labor right now, because the judgment hasn't been, he's dead. Imagine this. Imagine the reward this man's getting. And every life that comes in that feeds on his life because he gave his life to present these letters he's going to be rewarded for man and he did it for you and I and you've never met him and he never met you but he loved me and he loved you he didn't even know you but he loved the father and because he loved the father he loved you isn't that amazing that we can have a love for one another and not really know each other. Because it's not dependent on that stuff. It's not dependent on how long I spend with you to get to know all your ins and outs. If you know God and I know God, we can go intimate like that. Do you know why? Because we're not going to judge one another. We're not going to go, oh, let me tell you about what Joe's got. <laughs> Or whatever. Do you know what I mean? That's just one aspect. We're talking about contending. I had such a phenomenal time with Rodney and Danny. We just went up to Rodney's Bats just Friday night and Saturday. And we just prayed and sang. And we talked about our lives. We talked about our marriages. We talked about our relationships. We talked about God. 
we ripped open the scriptures, we ripped open the words, and we're preaching it at one another, and it's just like time goes like that, and you're like, man, that was powerful. And you're left wanting more. Why? Because there's a oneness with Christ, and through a oneness with Christ, it's building a oneness with one another. And you can say things and go to places that you can't go with other people because there's not an appetite for it, they get offended, Whatever reason, they just you just see lights off, 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 off. Oh, I'm bored. Can we talk about sport? Can we talk about politics? Can we talk about food? Can we talk about holidays? Can we talk about travel? Nothing wrong with that stuff. But it's sad when you can talk about and feast on him, and because there's not a capacity, because of the oneness might not be growing. It's like, oh, okay. It's unlimited. Only one guy fell out of the window. <laughs> That's good odds. <sighs> and then he got raised back up. Imagine that guy. <laughs> I'm never falling asleep again. <laughs> then he says this, For this purpose, making every man complete, also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So we are called to strive in Christ with the power that Christ is giving us because Christ is in us. 1 Corinthians says that Jesus is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, if Christ in you, the word, is forming I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in your mind, in your heart, in your very being. If Christ in us, and that's forming, is the power and the wisdom, what do you think the church is able to do? Walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. Why? Because it's Jesus in you that's doing it. So when you get offended, or when you're asked to lay your life down, or when you're asked to serve at a capacity that your humanity can't handle, the Christ in you steps up and goes, that's easy. He would juggle balls and try, it's like, what's that? That's us in our human strength trying to juggle it all. In him, it's just like, yep, there's a capacity because Christ in you, which is what he wants to bring every man to complete, which is the bride, which is the eternal purpose, is able to carry it because of the capacity. See, it's all about capacity, isn't it? And if we're trying to live out of our strength, the capacity is low. But if we're in Christ, being formed in Christ through partaking of the real, revealed mana from above, then that's like eating. It's like a bodybuilder. They get bigger, bigger, and their capacity to push weights increases. It's like we're just watching the weightlifting. I mean, some of those people aren't that big. Some of those women were like 69 kilos, and they're clocking 200 kilos above their head. How does that work? I mean, they're reasonably solid-looking women, but it's just like, whoosh, you know, boom. The capacity is great because the strength, and they're human beings. And see, this is the, and the strength is in you. And this was in Paul. It's not something Paul whipped up. It's not he found through the law. It's Christ in him through revelation. So he's saying in Colossians, the same thing he's saying in Ephesians. He says, this is my mandate. I've been graced to what? 
bring to light the mystery of Christ in the church and also the administration of how that's going to happen. It's called God gives the church gifts, to which I am one of those building gifts. But there are four other gifts that Christ has given because it's Christ. So Christ breaks himself up into five parts and sends himself to the church. And he sends power to those gifts to function in a way that builds with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts don't build. The Holy Spirit builds. But the gifts partner with the Spirit to see the church built through the anointing and the gracing that's on those giftings. And it's got nothing to do with the person in the sense of it's not the person doing it, but it's the power, it's the grace working through the person. And this is where we get a little bit baffled because we go, well, hold on a minute, he's doing the work, but it's in me and I'm the one being used. Yes, but it's not me doing the work. And you have to be able to hear this and see this. You realize, yeah, Paul was the guy being used to go from Asia to here to there to there, but he's not doing the work of building the church and he's not doing the work with himself. It's God. So he says, I plant Barnabas waters, but God builds the church. It's God that grows the church. And so that's where all the rest is. So the man was at active rest, getting beaten from pillar to pope, being on a ship that's getting shipwrecked, turning up on an island. Viper jumps on his hand. He goes, oh, that's a bit of a bad day. <laughs> Off there. Continues to chat away with all the guys. Why? Because he's got this power, this grace. And God said, you're going to go to this place. And until that happens, nothing can touch you or kill you. <laughs> How cool is that? I've got a purpose and a plan for you, Paul. And I have chosen you to bring light and life to Israel to the Gentiles and to kings. And until you have done that and that mission is complete, no one will harm you. <laughs> Shipwreck, bitten by snakes, beaten up, left in prison. God says, my will will be done through you, son. How powerful is this God? But how powerful is the life that you can experience if we surrender to the God of this Paul's God and then enter into what he has for us rather than sometimes reject what he has for us because we're afraid and we're in fear because it looks a big mountain to climb. And it is. It should be impossible. <laughs> so it's right that it's impossible because it creates a dependence on him and an interdependence on one another to actually come together and lay our lives down and form this one church and flow as one living organism, rather than it be, well, I want to do my own thing, and I want to find my own ministry, and I've got my own calling, and I'm going to live separate from the very body that I'm supposed to be in. Munted, eh? But that's what I see a lot of in the church, which is sad. And so let's go back to Ephesians. And that's what God's trying to break here. This independent spirit. So let's pick it up in verse 10. This is cool. So he's saying all these things. Yeah, this grace has been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, 
which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. So that. So all that, so that. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly places. See, this is what confuses the angelic realm. It's like you've picked humans to fulfill your purpose through. Fallen ones. They say they love you, and yet they live for themselves. They say they do this, this, and this for you, and yet they don't. And you're using them? Are you for real? You're using them. They turn their back on you. They say they're going to do this and, oh, there's a few people over here doing it. That's cool. But look at this mass. They don't even know how to put your body together. They're, they're too busy fighting with one another. They're too busy devouring one another with the freedom they've got because they hurt one another, because they speak words of death over one another, because they're all fighting for position. They're all fighting to be number one. They're all fighting to be the top dog. They're all fighting amongst themselves. And you chose them? God says, yeah. Because I believe in them. And I believe they're going to get it right. And I believe, because if they surrender to me, when they run out of their own strength and energy, and finally figure out they can't do it, then they're going to cry and turn, and because I'm love, I'm just waiting. And then they're going to catch it through my power, because I'm going to fill them with power. Yeah, they betrayed you. They denied you. They said all these things, and they never saw it through. Yeah, I know, but I love them. And my plans and my will will happen. And then my wisdom, my life will come through this church. This mature church that Paul said, I'm pressing on. I'm laying my life down. I've got an apostolic grace gift, and it's so powerful. I can go through all the stuff that I'm going through because the joy set before me, and I've seen it in the future, and I know I'm getting the crown of righteousness, and anyone else that lives this life is going to get it too. Because the man had faith. He had sight. He said, I no longer live, but the life I live, I live in sight in Christ. I've got the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ living in me. Colossians 2, 2 to 1 to 6, he says this. He goes, all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in the mystery. The mystery is Jesus. And if Jesus is in me because he knows it all through revelation, what life do you think you can live? Then he says this, I tell you this so no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. That's why the only knowledge you have is revealed knowledge. And what happens when a person who has re doesn't have revealed knowledge who's searching for Christ, they find a wrong runway. They find, they're trying to land the plane, but they land the plane on a counterfeit runway because they don't get revelation. So they get a little bit of knowledge of something and they think they found Christ. But this knowledge doesn't produce life, living life that you can live out. It actually produces life, but it's a false life. It's a counterfeit. Then they sell it. They start preaching it to everyone. And because no one else has real knowledge, because you can't discern the real knowledge from the fake knowledge, everyone goes, oh, yeah, that sounds good. That must be Jesus too. And all of a sudden, a whole lot of people get swept away because no one's got a revealed knowledge, which is the living knowledge, which gives you the discernment to go, that's not Christ. 
I know it sounds like him, but it's not him. Why? Because those that have received revelation have the frequency, the word is spirit. So you're able to hear the frequency and go, that's not the frequency of the spirit. I know you're using Jesus' name. I know you're using scriptures, but that's not Jesus. How do you think there's so many divisions in the body of Christ? It's one spirit, isn't it? One Lord. And yet we've got multiple versions of God everywhere. There's multiple versions of the end times. There's multiple versions of the fivefold. There's multiple versions whether the, the Holy Spirit, the gifts even exist today. Man, those guys will be pulling their hair out going, oh my goodness, do you know what I mean? The angels are going, you trusted these lot. Oh man. God's like, I believe in them. That's why he always speaks the promise and never the problem. He never looks at you sin. He says, look at the promise. Get your eyes off your sin and look at why I died. So he's proclaiming this, that this manifold wisdom is going to come through the church. Okay? Which means, what, what, what would be the first manifold wisdom, first demonstration that we are to do? In God. Love. Love him would be the first act of wisdom because it's not human love. It's agape love. <clears throat> what would be the second act? I give you a new commandment, Peter, to love one another as I have loved you. This is so powerful if we can receive it through revelation and through revelation live it. Not through trying to our human strength. Because that's the worst thing you can try and do. Greg taught I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. So I'm going to try. And it might be good for a little bit out of your human strength. Because you can love it but out of your human strength. But something's going to come where it's going to run out or your neighbor's going to upset you. And, you know, I don't know, dog's going to kill your cat or something. And <laughs> World War III will erupt. And so there's this love that's in Christ because Christ is love in me. And I find myself being able to love beyond behavior. So it's not determined now by anyone else's behavior coming at me, good or bad. He said to me during the week, he said, Greg, my son learnt obedience through suffering. So through suffering, he obeyed. That's powerful, isn't it? To put it right, because he could. Did he know that Judas was going to betray him? And yet he still loves was he like us? Jesus. Jesus was us. Was fully God, fully man, but on earth, man. So as a man, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And what's he still able to do? Love. Why? Because he was love. Do you think that's possible for you? See, if you don't think it's possible, you never will go after it. See how the mind, unbelief, and just shut stuff off? Because you're commanded to love one another like Christ. So if you're commanded to love like God, 
then he obviously thinks you can. Otherwise, he wouldn't give you the commandment because he's not a liar. So we have to grapple with that and go, well, if you're telling me I can, then it's possible in you. Not in me. Everything in Christ makes it possible. And this is why Paul is on this mission to present every man, woman, child in the church complete, mature, because he's coming back for a bride that looks like, acts like, sounds like himself. When you, when I walked down that aisle, well, when, sorry, when Danny walked down the aisle, I wasn't marrying an eight-year-old girl. That would be weird. I was marrying a mature bride. Okay? Well, he's the same, isn't he? He's not going to marry a two-year-old. He's going to marry his equal. Perfect, complete in Christ. We have the opportunity while we breathe through the power of the word to be made complete. Perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, mature. So then that comes about, well, am I entering into Christ? Am I entering into Christ's administration, his process? He comes to preach the unfathomable riches and the administration of how that would happen. So I give five gifts to the church. I give a whole lot of other gifts to the church. And you put it all together and you'll have this building work going on. I build my church and the gates of Hades do not what? Overpower her. Can anything separate you from the love of God? No. If you know this reality. This is the challenge, isn't it? We come back to what he's saying. That there's this gracing in my life because I want to see this manifold wisdom, this demonstration come through the church. This is what God's been doing here for nine years. He's trying to do it in all of our hearts. He's doing it. Some people don't even know it's happening. This, their version of church is still coming along, singing some songs, putting money in a box, going home. You see, you can be present or you're presently present. You can be in a room tonight and, in a, and have no idea what's really going on. You can be like the disciples when Jesus and the woman, and she's pouring out the perfume, their whole mindset is, that's a waste. There's only two people presently present, Jesus and the woman. Everyone else is missing it. Well, that's no different to tonight, and it's no different in there. He's trying to raise people of the Spirit, so there's a yes and an amen. You can hear, you know, you know what I'm speaking into. I'm speaking into a picture, and you know that picture. And so everything that's spoken is going into that picture on that back wall, which we've said. It's just whether we're receiving the revelation of the word, and it's like, my goodness, I've turned and I'm now living, and I find myself being able to love like Christ. <laughs> that's awesome. It really is. Look at verse 11, and I'll wrap this. This, so all that has just been said out of Ephesians, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose. So everything that's happening is in alignment to the eternal purpose of God, which he carried out, oh, funny again, in Christ Jesus. This guy keeps popping up called Jesus. <laughs> Our Lord, this was in accordance. What was in accordance? Everything from three down is in accordance to this eternal purpose that's in, carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. 
You have a boldness now in Christ. Not out of Christ, in Christ. You have faith, sight in him. You can see the things that are in Christ, yeah? The things that are in, in the eternal realm, the kingdom of God. Jesus is this embodiment of it all. So in Christ, all you can see them. You have sight to see, eating from another food source called Jesus Christ. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. See, we haven't been taught this stuff in the body of Christ that I know. It's all about get your soul and your spirit saved and then let's go get some other people saved and just serve in a building and do some stuff. But, and the, look, that's not wrong, but it's not the macro plan. It's the micro. All of this is to create a people on this earth that look like him, that love like him. They have a joy and a peace, have a power. They're not people of persuasive words. They're not people who try through the intellect to present this beautifully, you know, man-built thing. I'm not saying they're not in, we're not to be intelligent. I'm not saying it doesn't take all that stuff. I'm saying we're a, we're a people. We're, we're his possession. We were dead. Now we're able to do things we were never able to do as a dead person. We find ourselves being, to, being able to walk in the manner to which he walked. And there's plenty of evidence of it here in the lives of other people. The problem is to be my reality. We tend to talk about third-person people a lot. Let me tell you about this guy or that woman or that person. Great, what about you? He chose you for the exact same reality as a body. You're going to be a body. And as a body, you know, the arm, the arm, the leg, the leg, the ear, the, you come together, you supply. Every, every joint has its supply. As you come together as one and you're interdependent, on one another and dependent on God. You flow as a body flows. You run as a body. There's not an arm over there, so there's this, or a leg. It's like this sort of, you know. This is where this thing called our individualistic spirit needs to get crushed. He says, we looked at this during the week. He said that the builders rejected the cornerstone, didn't they? And we go, well, I didn't do that. I accepted him. Yep. Do you know you can still reject them? I love what he's saying there. Eh? The builders rejected the cornerstone. So builders build. Well, they built something, didn't they? They were just built without him. Do you think you can build something on earth without God in your own strength? If they can build Babel in their own strength without God, we can build stuff, eh? We can build buildings, we can build lights, we can build entertainment, we can with our leadership, we can build a lot of cool things. Doesn't mean it's of him. And it says those that you either fall on the rock or the rock falls on you. Now as we know in that scripture he's talking to the Pharisees and they hadn't fallen on the rock. And so they were going to get fallen on at judgment day. But we can fall on the rock, but we need to keep falling on the rock. Because the spirit of pride needs to be completely smashed in us so we don't start building things that aren't of him in his name.
We need to actually be built because we can't build anything if we're doing it his way. We can build a lot of things if we're doing it our way in his name because you've got a gift and a calling that are irrevocable. That's how you get the Lord, Lord, guys. And that's not the pattern of heaven. So he's, he's screaming. I, 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 I know what he's saying because the Spirit's revealed it to me. I know what he's saying. I'm in oneness with this guy because I have the same grace gift on my life, but the Holy Spirit has taught me this stuff. That's why I wrote the book. I can't urge you enough, guys. I, it sounds like I'm trying to promote my own book. I'm not. I know it's him. And I could say some things which I know could get taken the wrong way in relation to that book, but it's like, eat it. It's in front of you for a purpose. I can't, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, don't just read it once. Eat it, eat it, eat it. I've eaten it six times. Do you know why? Not because I wrote it, because it feeds me, because I know it's him. It's his food. He's describing his reality. To know God, the indestructible life, how to get there. It's all there. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. That there's this reality that he's been entrusted with. Last verse, therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me. Why is he saying that? Because not only am I graced for this, I'm empowered for the same thing. It's my call. It's what I was born for. Don't feel sorry for me. It's the will of God for my life, and I'm graced for it. So I have a gracing on my life to overcome everything that's coming at me. Don't feel sorry for me. But please receive what I'm bringing. Why? For your own glory. Don't waste what I did. Please. <laughs> now, he's not missing out. You are. I'll leave you with that thought. Father, I thank you that you are bringing to light this simplistic but very powerful life in us, your Son in us, through the living Word. And it's your power that rose Jesus from the grave that's in the Holy Spirit that does this incredible deep work in our innermost being. I pray for truth, Jesus, to be formed in our spirit and our soul and our body. Lord, that when your word hits our spirit, you give our body power and strength. It's what you teach us in Corinthians, that this mortal body can live in a way now that it never could before because of the inner realm, the food source it's tapped into, this river of life, you, Father, that we have tapped into. And I pray, God, that the things that are hidden we would go after, like 
Our lives depended on it. That nothing and no one would get in the way of us discovering the hidden manna that's contained in your son, Jesus, that would change us. You say you've given us your promises to perform and perfect your nature in us. Everything has been given. Nothing stands in our way but our choices. And I pray, Father, that everyone here tonight and everyone's listening will choose you and seek you with the all heart. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there's questions to grapple with. So um, just as we do, maybe if you're a small table, join with another table.